0: All right, let's take our Bibles together. The book of Nehemiah, please. The last chapter of that book of the Word of God, Nehemiah 13. We'll pick up where we left off in verse number 15 together. Nehemiah 13, verse 15. The Bible says, In those days saw I in Judah some treading wine presses on the Sabbath, and bringing in sheaves, and lading asses, as also wine, grapes, and figs, and all manner of burdens which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I testified against them in the day wherein they sold victuals. There dwelt men of Tyre also therein, which brought fish, and all manner of ware, and sold on the Sabbath unto the children of Judah and in Jerusalem. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah and said unto them, What evil thing is this that ye do? And profane the Sabbath day. Did not your fathers thus, and did not our God bring all this evil upon us and upon this city? Yet ye bring more wrath upon Israel by profaning the Sabbath. And it came to pass that when the gates of Jerusalem began to be dark before the Sabbath, I commanded that the gates should be shut and charged that they should not be opened till after the Sabbath. And some of my servants set eye at the gates that there should be no burden. There should no burden be brought in on the Sabbath day. So the merchants and sellers of all kind of ware lodged without Jerusalem once or twice. Then I testified against them and said unto them, Why lodge ye about the wall? If ye do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time forth came they no more on the Sabbath. And I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves and that they should come and keep the gates to sanctify the Sabbath day. Remember me, O my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of thy mercy. We see in this text three groups of people, at least, that I see that are at fault. The Bible says in verse 15, In those days saw I in Judah some. So just some people from Judah. Then you see in verse number 16, There dwelt men of Tyre also therein. Whole different crowd. And then in verse number 17, Then I contended with the nobles of Judah, and said unto them, What evil thing is. Is this that ye do? These people were at fault for profaning the Sabbath day or, or breaking the Sabbath day. You know how serious that was in the nation of Israel. And I would just say that the church is not Israel. We are not, you know, it, that's Old Testament people of God. We are New Testament people of God. But there are lessons to be learned here, and the, though the Bible tells us Colossians chapter 2 that we are, let no man judge you about any Sabbath day. We don't keep Sabbath days. We don't keep the Old Testament law. That, that's not what we as a church do. But there are, you know, the Bible says everything in this book is written for our admonition, for our learning, for our, our example. And as they are breaking the Sabbath day, what I find intriguing about that is, would you go back to chapter 10, because they, just like we had preached not long ago about them promising not to forsake the house of the Lord, they had also promised something to God about the Sabbath day, and they broke that as well. In in chapter 10, he says, in verse number 31... And if the people of the land bring ware or any victuals on the Sabbath day to sell, that we would not buy it of them on the Sabbath or on the holy day, and that we would leave the seventh year and the exaction of every debt. And all these people signed to this. Remember our message on, will you sign? Will you seal? And the children of Israel signed to that. They said, we're not, if they come to sell it, we're not going to buy it. We're going to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. We're going to have at least one day of the week that we concentrate on God and we do exactly what the Lord wants us to do. And they flatly broke that promise. We're in chapter 13. You are just a few chapters away. Of course, Nehemiah has gone... And uh, they've gotten into the habit of doing things contrary to their promise. And it's just another reflection that we need to think about in our own hearts. If you're not careful, you will be doing so many things in the future that you promised yourself and God and everybody else that you would, would not do. This book says, therefore, him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. And the same people that said, we will never do that. They're doing the very thing they said they would never do. They've forsaken the house of God. They're buying and selling on the Sabbath day. And we need to be very careful because the devil also listens. He listens to our commitments to God. He listens to our words. Well, I'll never do so and so. I'll never accept that. Yeah, I've heard that before. I would never, I've heard that before. I'll never leave church. I'll I'll, I'll never, I'm not going to do it. I've heard that before. And I'm just saying we always, all of us need to see the weakness of our own selves and our own flesh. Everybody in here is capable. You have no idea what you're capable of the very things that you despise you could find yourself doing in just a matter of years without the help of God. And so that's what's happening here and what they have done. I, if I've entitled my message, I would say violently opposing or violently judging materialism because I see something bigger here than just not keeping the Sabbath day, the lesson that I can learn from my own heart. Now look what they're doing. Let's, let's go back in verse 15, see what they're doing. They're just conducting business. Verse 15. In those days so I and Judah some treading wine presses on the Sabbath. That means they're engaged in their business to, to get the juice from the grape, to sell the grapes and make their money and have their life. That's their business. And bringing in sheaves. So some of them are bringing things in town, whatever they've gathered from the field. They're bringing in the sheaves and they're selling those sheaves. They're doing their business, going about their daily routine. And lading asses. That's sort of like loading down. Okay. So they're loading down these animals with all of their wares, as he's going to say in just a minute. Keep, keep reading. As also wine, grapes and figs and all manner of burdens, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. So they're bringing all this in to sell it. Look at the rest of the verse, verse 15. And I testified against them in the day wherein they sold victuals. So they're, they're just buying and, and selling and they're going about their usual day. But they have forgotten about something. It's they forgot about God. And guys, if we're not careful, though I know we don't keep the Sabbath day, but if we're not careful, we will go about our daily lives of business and we can forget about God. Just like they forgot about God. There has got to be something in your life. God has to have such a center place in your life that you need to stop in your life and honor Him and put Him first. And your your life should not just be business as usual every day. We need to give God the place that He deserves in our life. And here, every day was the same for these Jews. There's no place for the Lord. The Bible says in verse number 16, There dwelt men of Tyre. So it's the people that are just the people in Judah, the God's people that are just going about their business life and not observing the Sabbath, and then the next crowd, verse sixteen, there dwelt men of Tyre. Now these aren't Jews; these people don't even have to keep the Sabbath. Okay, the men of Tyre are just the men of Tyre. They're not underneath the the, the Israelite laws, but they are taking advantage of something. Look at it: there dwelt men of Tyre also therein, which brought fish and all manner of ware. That's a by the way, somebody say, well, the the King James Bible is out of date. It's not out of date. Brought all manner of wear. How about cookware? (laughs) Is that a a word that we use? All manner of wear. All types of things. Hardware. Silverware. Software. They're just bringing all manner of wear into the... They're bringing their fish. And, and the Bible says, verse 16, "...and sold on the Sabbath day unto the children of Judah and in Jerusalem." So th- they weren't under this law, but what they're doing is they're, they're having this opportunity or giving this opportunity to tempt the people of God to the children of Judah to cause them to buy and sell. They're being the temptation. You know, as much as you want to do right... I'm telling you what, there's always going to be, the temptation is going to be right in front of your face. The devil's always going to have some man of Tyre to try to, to sell you a bill of goods to get your mind off God. And you need to spot these men. Well, and they're not saved and they don't know your God but, God, but the devil will use them to pull you away from where God wants you to be. Let me say this, there's nothing wrong with these wares. There's nothing wrong with business. There's nothing wrong with buying and selling and getting yet gain. and good. But there is something wrong when you're putting that in a priority over God. I'd say there's something wrong with that even if you're putting that as a priority over your family. All these things aren't bad things but they're not more important than God's commandments. And church, our business and us living our lives and paying our bills and our jobs and taking care, that's all good and proper and right, but it's not more important than God's commandments for you. The most important thing in your life is doing what God tells you to do. It's not living your life. The way you want it. The most important thing for you is just doing what God tells you to do. And here they're not doing that. They're putting their materialism and their buying and selling above. And I tell you what, I I get so frustrated this time of year, and even before. I'm looking forward to Thanksgiving, you know. And I'm, I mean, even before, uh, you know, Halloween. You know, they've got they've got all the Christmas stuff out, selling stuff. It's a constant commercialization of everything in society. I mean, you, you can't, you can't look at anything on the internet without them putting a commercial in front of your face. You can't look at your phone without a commercial on, on your phone. You, you can't watch TV without there be a commercial because everything is geared to try to, to, to make you covetous, to make you want something you don't have, to, to get your mind on buying and selling and getting gain and conducting the affairs of business and, and not on God. And again, there's nothing wrong with living your life and making money and having a good job. I'm I'm not saying that. But that shouldn't be what's on the forefront of your mind. God needs to be on our mind. We've got to watch that even with Thanksgiving. I mean, guys, you know I love to eat. I've already got plans for that turkey. But you know what? My mind better be more on God and thanking Him and giving Him the right place. And so whatever we do in our lives, let's not get our priorities wrong. That's, that's what happened here. And look what Nehemiah tells him. He, he goes to the third group, verse 17. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah. So you got just, just the regular folks that live in Judah that are buying and selling and doing all that. And then you've got the men of Tyre that aren't even, even Jews, but they are, they are the ones that are drumming up the temptation. And now he comes to the nobles. He comes to the leadership. And he said in verse 17, I contended with the nobles and said to them, What evil thing is this that ye do? You did it. (laughs) Now let me tell you, the nobles weren't the ones that were buying and selling and bringing in the fish and bringing in the wares. But the leadership allowed it. You, You know what, dear friend, listen to me. You know leadership is responsible for all of this, and we're responsible for things that we allow if it's in our power to stop it. I'm not the leader of your home, but I'm going to tell you right now, you'll give an account to God for what you allow in your home. I, I'm, not, I'm, not the, I'm not the leader of your life, but you'll give an account to God for what you allow in your life. And the leaders were to blame. And even today, the preachers are to blame. And the, the, the leadership of our country is to blame. And the people that are in authority are to blame. And so he says, what evil is this that you've done? You're supposed to hold the line. You're supposed to make sure that God's will is done. And you're doing this evil. Look what he says in verse 18 to them. Did not your fathers thus? And did not our God bring all this evil upon us and upon this city? Yet ye bring more wrath upon Israel by profaning Sabbath. You know what he says? He says, guys, you know what got us in this mess in the first place? Because we weren't doing what God said, and we went into one of the reasons Israel went into captivity was because they profaned the Sabbath day. They broke the Sabbath day. And now they've been all they've been all at the end of their wits trying to get back to the land, and they've got back to the land, and now they're doing the very thing in the land that caused God to kick them out in the first place. What insanity! he says you're going to bring more wrath on us from God because you're just repeating the same mistakes man as a pastor I and guys look I'm not going to I'm not going to insert myself into anybody's life that's not interested but I'm telling you right now I've watched the same broken records play a thousand times I've watched the same story, rewritten, just with different names in it. Just repeating the same mistakes that other people have already made. Could we not stop and look at other people's lives and say, By the grace of God, I know that, that I might make mistakes, but I'm not doing that. I'm not following that example. People are so crazy. They'll talk to to people that that are as mixed up as they are. Can I tell you that's not real wise? You want to make the same mistakes they do in your family, in your life, with your kids? He says, you're just repeating the same old broken record. Mm. There's a lot of preach there, but I'm hopeful that the Holy Ghost is preaching to you about it. The past judgment of God in other people's lives should be an incentive for us to learn the lessons that God's trying to teach us. Now, this materialism, these people that are at fault, they're buying and selling, and there's nothing wrong with that. Go to James chapter 4. I think this will put it into perspective for us. And I want to say at the outset, you know, I I hope if you'll do right with the money God gives you, I hope that you are very prosperous. But if you won't do right with what he's given you, I hope he don't give you no more. Is that not fair? Why would I want more if I'm not going to do right with it? So this is the right perspective of our how we ought to look at business or your job. Okay, guys, listen. Your job, your job is not your life. Amen. Amen. And if you think that you are deceived, you could be self-deceived. You could be devil-deceived. Your job is not your life. Amen. Christ, who is our life. Amen. For me to live is christ jesus is your life and if jesus isn't your life you've got wrong priorities your job is just a necessary evil to to do what god wants you to do so you can give the missions oh there he goes again i I think i need to go a lot more on it (laughs) work with your hands that you may have to give that's what the bible says So if I'm not going to give, why should he give me any more? Your job is not your life. This is what your life should be. James 4, I'm reading it. He says, James 4, 13. James 4, 13. Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. That's what they're doing here in our text. They're just going into the city and they're buying and they're selling and they're getting gain. Verse 14, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. You know why your job shouldn't be your life? What if tomorrow you get some disease and you can't work anymore? Do you still have a life? What if you lose your job? What What if America goes bankrupt, which it already is bankrupt, and your plant shuts down and you don't have a job anymore? Do you still have a life? Is our our money our lives? What I'm trying to tell you what's happening in Jerusalem in Nehemiah 13 is their life is not about God. Their life is about their business. They have no room for Him. Seven days a week, it's all about their business. Here he says in verse number 15, here's the right perspective. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. You know, that would have taken care of the matter. If they would have woke woke up on the Sabbath day and said, God, do you want me to go sell these fish today? You know what he said? No, I put it in the book, told you not to do that. God, do you want me to load the donkey down today and go into town and so I can have enough money to pay my bills? No, I don't want you to do that. It's not my will. Why? He put it in the book. Yeah. You know what you ought to say? Lord, what's your will for my business? Is it your will for my business to have? Is it your will for me to have this job? Is it your will for me not to have this job? And you know what he's all going to say? He's, if it's his will, it'll always agree with the Bible. You know, if I could pray with you this way, say, preacher, a job came up for me. All right, tell me about it. Well, I'm gonna to have to miss two Sundays a week, but or two Sundays a month. But I, but it's just gotta be of God. All right, let's pray about this, brother. Now, God, here's a brother. He's got an offer for a job, and he wants your will. Now, if you'd be pleased with him missing church twice a month, guys, who who are you kidding? Your grandmother? Now, look, we've got guys that, that are stuck in that. And I'm telling you, you ought to pray. You're, you ought to pray, try to your best to pray your way out of that. But the problem that we have today, some people go looking for that. In other words, they have a job, but they're going to they're going to go look or accept something that's going to take them out. Why? Why would you look for something that's going to take away more from your family and more from your church and more from the things of God? Just just so you got some more money? You're, that's not what your life's about. Amen. If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. At the same time, man, I want you to I want you to buy and sell and get gain. And you are in the land of opportunity. You can sell pigs. You can sell dogs. People crazy what they pay for that. You you can sell junk. You can go to yard sales and buy other people's junk and sell it. You know what the prophet told that woman that was so much in debt? She said, I'm going to fill up all, this, all these, all these uh, vessels with oil. And then she said, go sell it. I believe God's people selling stuff. man, sell your car. Yeah. And then buy another one and sell it. And if you're really good at it, buy a house and then sell the house. I believe in selling stuff. But you know you know why we buy and sell and get gain? <laughs> so we can buy more. We do our business not to get out of debt, but to get into more debt. <laughs> we want to be successful in our business. so It's just a materialistic thing. It's not so I can do the will of God better. It's so that I can have more things that I want or make my life more comfortable. Buy and sell, sell cows. There's another. Sell cows. Now, I can't. If I, if I had cows, they'd all die. I tried to do that with dogs. And that dog had. I had some two, two nice German shepherds. I had all these puppies. Every one of them died but one. That, that's just, you know, some things you're not good at. I sold the one puppy, and the guy got it down the road, and it got run over. I thought, well, this is not my business. Maybe you buy and sell stocks or crypto, but that's pretty rough right now. Maybe buy and sell a quilt or buy and sell baby hats. We got somebody that does that. Maybe buy and sell your service. We live in a day where people don't know how to do anything. Or they won't do anything. Maybe learn a trade. Maybe learn how to do something on the side. You'd be surprised at what you can buy and sell. But it doesn't have to override the commandments of God. And God doesn't have to take a back seat in your life to buy and sell. I got a, I got a TV that big over there in my house as dead as a doorknob. I'll give it to you. Maybe you can take something off the back and connect two wires and make $200. You're welcome to it tonight. I'm just saying there's all types of things you can buy and sell. So, well, I can't figure it out. Well, maybe you can't figure it out because you're not willing to do the will of God because you've got another reason to try to figure it out. These people were at fault because they put materialism and the things of their business as a priority before the things of God. Verse 19, and it came to pass that when the gates of Jerusalem began to be dark before the Sabbath. By the way, they let you know the Sabbath starts in the evening time. Starts at 6 p.m. I commanded that the gates should be shut and charged that they should not be opened till after the Sabbath. And some of my servants said, I, at the gates that there should be no burden be brought in on the Sabbath day. So Nehemiah comes in and he starts enforcing the good. Listen to this. He can't trust them to keep the gates on the Sabbath day. So he sets his servants to keep the gates. He says, guys, lock these gates right before the Sabbath and don't you unlock them. Don't you open them again. Don't let anybody come in and out. Until the Sabbath is completed. And he couldn't trust anybody else in the in the people of God. The Levites down there in verse 22 that should have been those porters. He couldn't trust them to do it. So he put his servants in charge of that. Maybe the people that were in charge of the gates were allowing things. Maybe they were taking bribes. Maybe they were, there was a friend or something that they were doing favors for. The people that should have been enforcing the Sabbath day, they're holding the gates and the guy said, Hey man, I got I got this fish I got to sell. You know it's gonna go bad if I don't get in here and sell it. And he gives him some sob story. Okay. Come on in, just hurry up and sell the fish and get out. Maybe it's a friend or a family member. Say, so, you know, I've I've had a real hard time. I, I've got I, I've got the the animal loaded down with this wear, and I've got to get this sold. Man, you don't understand. You know, we, we got bills to pay, and if I don't sell this load of merchandise, we're not going to make it this week. Come on, man, let let me in the gate. He says, "All right, come on." Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe somebody, maybe they're out of food and they come to the, to the gatekeeper, the porter, and they said, hey, look, I, I know the gates are supposed to be locked. I know, you know, I'm just running late today. Didn't get to the grocery store in time. But man, I got, I got kiddos that are hungry out here and I got to get out here and buy some victuals. Come on, man. Just, just let me outside the gate and get to these men of Tyre. They've got all the groceries out there and everything else is closed down in the city and I can't buy anything and we're hungry in there. Just please let, let me out of the gate so I can go. Come on, man. Okay, just this once. Do you know that's how the devil cracks a door in every one of our lives? Well, this is my friend. Well, this is a sad story. This is okay. We'll, we'll make allowance for this now because, you know, we're related. And, and little by little, the gates got wider and wider until it didn't matter anymore. And I'm telling you, if we make allowance in the little things, we're just the, the, the whole gate's going to be open for, for whatever and whenever because once you make an allowance, how are you going to shut the gate again? Well, you let me last week. And that's true about our children. You'll be surprised. You open the gate and you'll, you'll allow something in their lives and they'll partake in it and you know it's not right, but you you know, things are just, just a struggle right now. Okay, just, I, all right, I'll, I'll let you go this far. And then they want to go that far and then you want to say no, but you can't say no because you've already opened the gate. I give you illustration after illustration, but I'll spare you. This is what Nehemiah said. I can't trust these guys at the gate, so I'm going to put my own servants there. And when somebody comes up with a sad story, they're going to say, I'm sorry, the Bible says. And somebody comes up and says, hey, I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. I've got to get this sold or this is going to ruin. Well, I'm, I'm sorry about that, but the Bible says. You see the difference? And somebody comes up, a family member, a friend, say, Come on, man, you know, we're, we're, we're related, you know, let me. Look, Nehemiah said, And I'm not opening this gate. And we need to say, Jesus said, You know, Nehemiah's the governor, and I've got a governor too, and you've got a governor too. And the government's on his shoulder, and what he says goes. And if he says, Don't go outside the gate, I'm not going to go outside the gate. It doesn't matter how inconvenient it is. We're dropping the plow. God's trying to plow something right here in your heart. Those little things that you allow that you don't think is such a big deal. But you know it's not God's will. What you're doing is you just open that gate wider and wider and wider. And you're, you're going to have a real struggle to get it closed. And so Nehemiah says, you know, all you boys are fired. Go home. I want to put my own servants there to man the gates. And I want to say this. Thank God for Faithful people, man in the gates. He's enforcing that which is good. And then after... After a time goes by, he says in verse 22, and I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves and that they should come and keep the gates to sanctify the Sabbath day. He says, guys, if you're going to come back to the gate to keep the gate and do what God says, you need to get clean. You need to cleanse yourself. You need to get your heart right with God because you'll never be the gatekeeper if your heart's not right with God. And the reason that we crack the gates and open the gates is because on the inside, our hearts aren't right with God. And so we make allowances because we're not where we ought to be. And he says, you go cleanse yourself and then get back here to this gate. Enforcing the good. But even when you try to do that, would you look at verse 20? When everybody's trying to do right, verse 20 is always there. Would you look at it? So the merchants and sellers of all kind of ware lodged without Jerusalem once or twice. Nehemiah's got the gate locked up. He's got the city shut. Amen. Tied as a banjo string. He's got his servants there. There's nobody coming in or out. And these guys are on the outside and they got all their fish and they got all their donkeys and they got all their cookware and they got all their food outside and they're ready to go. And all the gates are shut and they go up and no, we're closed. And they said, well, okay, we'll come back tomorrow. You know what happens when you shut the door on the devil? When you shut the door on temptation that you like you know what happens still? It'll come back to your door. It's patient. The devil's patient. The devil's patient. He'll continue to come. Even when you've done right, even when you've cleansed yourself, even when you've shut the gate and locked the gate and made it faithful and enforced the good, they're going to hang outside waiting on you just to give in a little bit. And they're still coming in. They, they're not selling a thing, but they're still coming by. <laughs> and Nehemiah, thank God for Nehemiah. When Nehemiah watched that, he said, verse 21, look at it. Then I testified against them and said, Why lodge ye about the wall? If ye do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time forth came they no more on the Sabbath day. Thank God for the threat of violence. That's what just happened. The threat of violence against their materialism. He didn't say, you keep coming out here. I'm going to pray against you. He said, you come out of here again. I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm going to get physical with you. Mm. You know, when you lay hands on somebody, you can do it for... About one of three reasons. You can lay hands on somebody to beat him. I wouldn't put Nehemiah past that. He must have not read the passage about not being a striker. He could have said, well, I'm not a, pa- I'm not a preacher. I'm not a bishop. I'm not a pastor. I'm the governor. And I'm going to knock your teeth out if you come out here again. You say, what terrible... No, no, the terrible thing is if he allows it and then the judgment of God falls upon all the people and then they get all run out of the city again. I think Nehemiah would have knocked her teeth out because he's going to start pulling her hair out before it's over. I'll lay hands on you. You can lay hands on somebody to beat them up. You can lay hands on somebody to slay them. I mean, breaking the Sabbath was a penalty guilty of death. He could have laid hands on them to imprison them. I don't, I don't know. But all these people, they knew. Listen, listen now. Now you, you think this? You might think that this is this is bad. This is not good. But I'm going to tell you something. When Nehemiah threatened violence to them against their materialistic ways, they knew that this guy has no toler. He's not going to tolerate us. We're going to get out of here. I remember one preacher saying, he said, you know, some people all they understand is the flesh. They don't understand somebody reasoning with them. Now I'm not this way. I don't think I can be this way. But I, I've I've known pastors well, maybe I shouldn't say that, but I'll freak you out. But I'm telling you, there is something worse than somebody having physical hands laid on them. And that is if their spiritual life is destroyed. And somewhere in our brains we've got that flipped. Now, don't go out here saying a preacher believes in beating people up. But i tell you what, if somebody starts coming in through there, there's a whole bunch of you that will all of a sudden start believing in violence. To protect what's in here. And what I'm saying is, can we not have such a zealous heart that we would violently attack in our own lives what is covetous and what is out of line with God? Could I I grab a hold of what's not right with me and get violent with it? Maybe it's your. Maybe you need to get violent with your computer and blow it up. Or. I lived in a day where people shot their TVs with shotguns. Boom! And felt good about it. Man, I've led drunks to Christ that broke their bottles and poured junk down the sink and got violent with all that. Because they knew it was destroying their life. It'd be better to do that than let Sin and temptation ruin your life. Boy, this was a man. He said, You come here again. I'm gonna put my hands on you. And I I believe they believed him. And we can tiptoe around things that are wicked all we want to and be Mr. Nice Guy. But I tell you what, there are some things you can't be nice. You can't be nice with temptation. You can't be nice with the attack of the devil. Read your Bible. Read how Paul stood against the devil. How he looked right at him and called him child of the devil. Stood up against him toe to toe, face to face, eyeball to eyeball. We got some men, you know, they're big men, you know. If you're a big man, why don't you fight what's wrong in your life? Why don't you lay hands on what God's not pleased with and kick it out of your life? You lodge out there again. You, you tempt my babies again. I'm going to lay hands on you. Amen. Can you not tell me if a dad in here was worth his salt and you had some some punk, some wicked guy hitting on your, your nice girl, your your godly little girl that you, would, you wouldn't get a little bit... Uh, You wouldn't go up and say, now, son, you know, I know you're not saved, but we just don't do this. No, I'd sit down and said, you know what? I'm going to hurt you. Leave my daughter alone. Or I'll break your legs. You say, well, that's awful. No, what's happening in our country is awful. Right. And people are preying on our children. And Nehemiah said, I'm not going to take this. Mm. Now You do that what you want to. But there was no one more gracious than Jesus, was there? He whipped the tar out of people. Now, he didn't do it every day. But he whipped them all right. The threat of violence. He he didn't. Nehemiah didn't hit anybody here, but he threatened them. Well, I got to finish up verse twenty-two. I'd just say he's pretty serious about this. Verse twenty-two. And I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves and that they should come and keep the gates to sanctify the Sabbath day. Remember me, O my God. Concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of thy mercy. Three times Nehemiah asked God to remember him in verse 14 and verse 22 and verse 31. Three times our Savior prayed in that garden. And our Savior is still asking us to remember him. That's his request to us to remember him. Nehemiah said, Lord, would you look down from heaven and I know my race has been different and I worked for the king, but will you remember me, oh my God, concerning this also. And our Bible says that God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. He knows what we're doing and he is not going to forget about our heart for God. And when we try to do it right and when we resist temptation and when we stand against evil, and when our lives are in the will, he will not forget us. He said, remember me, oh my God. I think God did. You know why? Because I got a book in my Bible called Nehemiah. And I read about him and I preach about him because my God said, hey, I want you to remember Nehemiah just like I remembered him. This is a man that was faithful to the end. And he didn't dip his colors and he pleased God doesn't matter what, what was coming against him. He says, spare me according to the greatness of thy, of thy mercy. Nehemiah never thought in his life that he was so good that God would spare him. He just cast himself on the mercy of God and said, Lord, remember me and spare me according to the greatness of thy mercy. Lord, you're a merciful God and I, I don't deserve anything but judgment. But Lord, would you just remember me? Remember me that thief prayed that and God answered that prayer remember me I don't know what you need to get out of the message tonight but there may be somebody outside your door of your life that you need to get out and you need to remove and I don't know if your priorities are mixed up and you think that your your life is your job I don't know if your business has taken priority over God's words. But let's learn and heed from the example of the scripture from Nehemiah tonight. Let's put the Lord first and not our business.